What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a really special guest in the building. Listen, you've seen this man produce some of the biggest videos of late when it comes to Cardi B, when it comes to Sean Paul, when it comes to Bojo, and so much more. You know we have in the building today? We have Mr. Kieran Khan in the building today. What's going on, Big Boss? Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate this for sure. Thank you so much for coming through to the Entertainment Report podcast today. Yes, yes, I must. You can't refuse this. And more so... Yeah. When when I I was telling you when I saw that interview with you and Director X and I clicked yeah. on our messages on Instagram, 2018 yeah. is when yeah. we first connected. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so much has changed in between 2018 to now, and we're gonna get into that. But we like to go right from beginning, okay, and bring it right up to 2022. So my first question is this: Where did you grow up in? Where okay? Where did you grow up, and what type of child were you? Okay, so we moved a lot because my father worked in the oil industry. Okay. So I was born in Guyana, and I left there after two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then uh, spent two years in Trinidad, mm -hmm. then Antigua, St. Martin, a few other places in the islands. Yeah. And then we settled in New York. So I grew up in the Bronx. That's my middle school, high school life. Yeah. 2005, 2005 is when I finally moved to Toronto. And we've settled here ever since. Ever since. And what yeah. type of child were you moving around? Were you curious? Were you more shy? What type of things were uh, you uh, I was a very wicked child, you know? <laughs> a very wicked child. <laughs> what do you like, mean by that? Why is it wicked? So yeah. for us, it's like, you know, you're, you're mischievous. You can never stand still. Mm -hmm. Always running around, always looking to do something. You never want to stay home. You want to be on the road. Mm -hmm. uh, that was me, you know? Yeah, fighting with my siblings all the time. But on the but also individuals like that, they're very sensitive people. Mm -hmm. So I was very emotional. Yeah. You know? Cry for the quickest thing, you know, that kind of so that was me. Yeah. That was me as a child for sure. So you as a child coming yeah. up. And what did you think you were gonna get into when you grew up into adulthood? Did you think you were gonna become a doctor, a lawyer, a social worker? What were your plans? Well actually I studied aviation. Okay. So I studied aviation, I got my private pilot license. Um, I studied in um, Detroit in Michigan. Went to Andrews University and then came over here and I completed at Buttonville Airport. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're, when you're doing that aviation at a young age, you rely on your parents for funding. Mm -hmm. So I started working because, you know, we just moved over here. Didn't want to rely on my parents too much because to go up cost a lot back then, even more now. Yeah. So you needed 40 hours at least minimum to get your commercial license. Okay. So I started working in collections, you know, in the nighttime. Yeah at a call center, and I started making much more money there than if I had a, a degree. So I started, you know, stepping back from aviation and went into that and just kind of derailed, and um, I stayed, I just kind of gave up aviation. Yeah. Was aviation something you wanted to do or your parents were looking at or you thought this would be a good way out? No, no, that's something I love, because in Trinidad, when we, when we were there, we, we literally used to go by the airport, it was an old airport then. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been Trinidad. Never been Trinidad Never been. yet. I've been Trinidad on Instagram. Okay, okay. Not in real okay. life. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the airport over there is, is literally a fence. Yeah. Nothing more. So you park up by the cane field. There's a shop there. You get your doubles, your solo, and then you just watch the plane land. Yeah. That's a thing a lot of families do. Just like you'll go by the beach, we used to go by the airport. Okay. So you used to watch plane land all, it was like a weekend ritual, you know, and just chilling. I always wanted to be a pilot. And, you know, at that point in time, you never think it's realistic. Mm -hmm. And then in the States, we pretty much saw, like, you know, take a take a, your first trip for 129 bucks. And we're like, what? 
Yeah. Did it. My dad did it for me. And I was after that, I was just intrigued. I was like, okay, I'm doing this. And we went through the process, got my private pilot license. And then, you know, joining the workforce as an adult, mm-hmm. I kind of was like, okay, cool. Let me just take care because I don't want to really rely on my parents for funding. And I fell out of love with it, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. So what was your, besides making money, what did you start to fall into love with next from there? Um, from there was traveling. Okay. Yeah. So when we were younger, our parents always exposed us to traveling. So that's something that I always wanted to do. So whenever I got a chance, I started after collections, I started working for my dad's company. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it gave me the flexibility to travel when I needed to. Mm-hmm. So I used to always, when I got a weekend off, or I f- found a cheap flight, I would go to that destination. So that was like my thing right after that, traveling constantly. And it's the same thing that I'm now teaching my son, you know, trying to take him everywhere I, need, I c- can go. Because it does so much for you, you know. You can have a conversation with someone and see how close-minded they are by the environment and then you can speak to someone else who are a little bit more open-minded because they've been able to you know uh see other cultures see, other see things see the world, do different yeah. things yeah. Yeah, yeah were you vlogging back then no okay. no no yeah. I, I think there's a lot of things a lot of people regret yeah my dad used to vlog us all the time mm-hmm. But, I mean, the setup then was like a big camera. It was, it was not compact like how it is now. Yeah. So to even get that converted over now is like a few places that does it, you know, the VCR tapes and so forth. Yeah. But um, it's crazy that I'm even saying that. I'm like, wow, yeah, it feels so long. But it's not. And I'm 33, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's crazy. So no vlogging. So then what did no you vlogging. decide? What did you pick up first? Did you start to edit first or you picked up a camera first? Picked up a camera first. What made you yeah. pick up a camera? So... Um, there's a company in Trinidad called Lime.tt, mm-hmm. and it's my business partner. He opened it one year before I met him. Okay. And I had a club in Trinidad on the Avenue. Mm-hmm. So that their company used to come and cover all of our events. But the professionalism, the mannerism, the turnaround times, the way they carry themselves, they used to wear polo shirts with their badges, always accredited. And I was like, we have nothing like this in Canada as a first world country mm-hmm. that covers Caribbean events with a standard, you know? that's more appealing to an uh, audience, not just within our community. And I asked him, I said, why don't you bring it here? And he said, well, we really don't have anyone there. Why don't you do it? Yeah. And I said, well, hell yeah, I have friends in the community. Mm-hmm. So I can easily call them and cover it. And so said, so done. I went and I bought a, uh, a D3700 mm-hmm. Nikon and started taking pictures after my job. Yeah. And literally, um, I started falling in love with it. I left my job three times to do that. Because I just fell in love with it more and more. And basically, it, it just trickled from there. A lot of people started asking for... Um, Instagram had 15-second videos back then. Mm-hmm. They never had the one minute. Yeah. So then promoters were like, hey, can you give us 15-minute clips? Yeah. So now I need to learn how to do 15-minute clips. I used to do it on um, movies or iMovie or something like that. iMovies. Mm-hmm. I used to do the 15 clips on that. Yeah. And I used to start YouTubing, um, learning a little bit more about it. I eventually met Marshall Montano's uh, videographer back then. His name was Dory. It's Dory. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were over here for the Pan Am Games. And I messaged him. I said, yo, I would love to learn a little bit more. He's like, cool, come to the hotel. I said, okay. Mm-hmm. And I told him I, have, I don't have the equipment you have. So to kind of get these slow motion angles and so He said, bro, your phone can do slow-mo now. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And I literally used to shoot events sometimes with my phone. And I used to just come out. They would not know otherwise. Mm-hmm but I was using what I had until I can learn more. Um, promoters did give me a hard time getting in, in the beginning. And I just, I literally worked for one year for free, just kind of covering um, the Caribbean culture and other other festivals, mm-hmm. more so to learn 
myself and not giving a rate where you can't deliver, but then also building up a clientele because mm-hmm. my income was from my, my nine to five. So I was really relying on it. And then one year after I kind of set the expectations, I'm going to start charging because you guys are happy with my work. Definitely lost a few clients, mm-hmm. but definitely came, gained a few who we've kept forever, you know? And that's how it went for me. Who was your first, okay, let's go with promoter. Who was mm-hmm. the first promoter that embraced what you're doing? So, you know what, come, let's do some work together. Um, as Who a that? paid promoter. As a paid promoter. Mm-hmm. Oh, very true. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of promoters that did stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a paid promoter, who was that boy? Um, I would like to say it was Bandit. Mm-hmm. I would like to say it might have been Bandit, yeah. Because I had a good relationship with Hoppy. And then I saw like um, some of his collaboration events coming over here, like uh, the All Inclusives. Actually, you know who it was? No, I take that back. It was Crave. There's a guy from Craves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Nigel, Ron, those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually those guys, true. 20, 2012, maybe? Mm-hmm. Or a little bit later on? Yeah, it was those guys. Yeah, yeah. It was really Crave. And then that was like really your first foray into now paid gigs. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. Then you, you start feeling like, okay, cool. Somebody's paying you for compensation mm-hmm. for, your, for what you do. It's a good feeling to have. It was an amazing. I remember getting my first flight paid for or my first hotel paid for. Yeah, and I just got an email with it popping up. I was like, somebody believes me that they actually booked my like, you know. I said, yeah, it was a different feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and at this time here, was there a lot of people doing what you're doing, or there wasn't as much creatives at that time there? No, you definitely seen a lot of um, uh, quote unquote videographers or photographers, mm-hmm. um, but you can see they're doing it for the wrong reasons. They're doing it for complimentary tickets. Mm-hmm. They're doing it for just getting in the venue or bringing girls in or just being or trying to be somebody. Mm-hmm. And you can tell. And it's a bitter taste. When you see it, it makes you feel it makes you feel bad, bro, because you're they're diluting it so much. And there's a stigma to our community mm-hmm. from I've seen like a lot of professional people don't use Caribbean people simply because of what they pretty much just prove them right for what the expectations are. Yeah. You know? Well, this person's going to come, he's going to drink, he's going to be late, he's going to do X, Y, Z, and they re- and sometimes we do do it. Mm-hmm. And then they don't really see the good ones because I know amazing creators from the Caribbean community, some of the best mm-hmm. now. But when I used to see it, just the way they carry themselves, the way they are after the event, mash up the time around that they're going to take to give the content over. I pride myself on delivering content the next day. I'll see photographers giving in content a week later, mm-hmm. a few days later, and I'm putting up a whole video. I'm just like, what excuse do you guys have, man? Mm-hmm. You know? So you see it a lot. And there were a lot, and but there's only a rare few. Like, I'll, I'll see Geography, always dope. I'll see um, Rye Media, always on point. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guy named um, Star. He used to do a lot of banded events. Star. Yeah. So I forgot. But this guy would just snap a picture. Okay. Like, he's quick with it. And the next day, I'm just like, that came out good? <laughs> like, you know? like, but yeah, there's a few of them. There's a few of them. And now I'm seeing that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah. Yeah, the evolution has been great. So you started doing photos or videos first? Photos. Photos. Yeah, terrible so at it. what was the transition like from photos to videos? Because a lot of people don't realize that's a big jump in over. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, if you actually... I was looking at my old um, videography 
uh, recaps back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the transitions and stuff. I can see why people were hiring, why they were taking me for free back then. Because yeah. if I was charging people with me, I would have been like, listen, okay, mm-hmm. let me send you back your money now, you know, even how many years later. Mm-hmm. So photography was never my thing, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, content was content. So, you know, you might get, we would do, uh, we had a standard, we take, uh, we always provide less than 120 pictures, so therefore take 300 and something. So we filter out all of those, you know? Um, we must find some good few ones in there. Mm-hmm. And then that just came from me just having terrible angles and terrible shots. So I assumed the ones that were going to be training might do the same. Mm-hmm. And then I got into videography, and then we thought, like, these effects might have been cool, these glitches, and it was just terrible, you know, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Well, but what if they yeah. were good for that time period? It was, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was good for that but time But it just period. didn't translate into 10 years down the road still yeah, looking yeah, correct, cool. Correct, you know correct, I mean? correct, 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 yeah. Like I've, but I've seen people who, like, have tasteful videos since then till now. Mm-hmm. Mine's no. Mine was right. for that period, yeah. That <laughs> month, that trend, that's that, mm-hmm. yeah. Nothing more. And then when did you decide to actually take it serious? Because remember, you're working, mm-hmm. and this is basically your, your training. So yeah. when did you make that jump from, okay, no longer working to this is what I'm going to do full-time now? Um, when I had my son. Mm-hmm. So we had Nikolai in 2015. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is my only child, first child. Uh, I've been with my wife for 16 years now. Mm-hmm. And we had Nikolai uh, in 2015, and that transition, I saw what my wife went through because uh, when she was pregnant, that's when I really got my break to be on the road. Mm-hmm. And it takes a toll on a woman because regardless if I was there or not, baby wants her, mm-hmm. you know? Like we were even arguing about names mm-hmm. and we decided uh, in, in the, in the, uh, when she was having Nico, said you can name him whatever you want because I'm seeing what you're going through. Yeah. And after the fact, you know, so during that process, now you have more responsibilities. And like everyone else is like, I started taking it more serious. Mm-hmm. The issue I had before was I was not treating it like a job. So I'd pretty much just, you know, and I'll go back to my, because collections is a revolving door. You can go back anytime to any agency. Okay. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. If you can't get a job in the collection, something's wrong, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a revolving, yeah. you can always go back. So that safety net was there. Yeah. But I remember um, when I had Nico, I set up an office in my house and I used to clock in. I used to wake up and go in at 9.15. Mm-hmm. I'd take my 15-minute uh, break, half an hour lunch, 15-minute break, and then clock out at 5. But sometimes I really never clock out at 5. Mm-hmm. So I actually treated it like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I got my body accustomed to waking up and doing that. And, um, and I just saw my client list just building, just building, just building, just building. Mm-hmm. And... I found the more and more that I was um, delivering content out and working with certain promoters. I started getting more DJ gigs in. I started earning more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a if a promoter hired me and I knew a DJ who was on that set, I pretty much I'll go to an event a day and just shoot B-roll for no reason, absolutely no reason. Because that day, all I need to do is shoot performance, shoot the DJ, and I can get paid by two of them. I can get paid by the promoter, get paid by a DJ, and fill in with a whole bunch of B-roll. Mm-hmm. And I used to literally go to events, days that I do not have to work, and shoot B-roll all day. So you always have content. content. is just there. It's just there. It's just packed mm-hmm. down. So I'll, yeah. I'll turn over the video by the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm like, like, I used to try to see if I can even do it in the night, you know? And my body, I just got accustomed to doing that. Mm-hmm. And that led into one of the breaks that I got eventually, you know? Yeah. What was your, okay, breaks? What was the break that you got? The break that I got was um, there was an artist here in, um, in Toronto. Her name is Amoy. Mm-hmm. And she, um, I forgot how I connected with her, but she was performing at TD Echo Beach. 
I think they had like a delay with the sound system or whatever, and her performance got pushed back. Mm -hmm. So we never really got to shoot a performance. And I found out that Sean Paul was performing that same day. He was the headliner. Mm -hmm. But I left the event and I went to my friend Junior Jones' event because I used to cover a lot of Junior's events. Okay. Yeah, in Ankle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he, Mississauga he, there. Yeah, correct. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, we were we, we, we used to communicate so much that he used to call and he's like, it's a rooftop party, um, but it's a last minute. You think I could do 100 people, 150 people? That's the conversation back then, right? We know his evolution now. Yeah. So uh, we used to go and used to cover all these events and then my good friend DJ Power said, um, yo, uh, well, I'm going to go to TD Echobitch, Sean Paul. I said, oh, I have my wristbands. I have my uh, backstage pass. I'm down. Let's go. He said, oh, I actually know his manager. Let's see if we can get you to shoot something. Mm -hmm. So there were tears to get in that venue. So, you know, from general to VIP, VIP to backstage, backstage, up the steps. And then up the steps, you need another band to actually go on stage. Okay. We got past three or four of them, but the last one we couldn't get in. Mm -hmm. We couldn't get in. And I think he saw um, Sean's manager, which is Steve Urchin, walk past, and he screamed at him. He's like, yeah. And he said, yeah, come. And there's 15 minutes left in the set. And he said, well, if you want, you can shoot. We don't have a camera guy, but, you know, we can't pay you because this is not accounted for. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I'm good. Cool. I shot everything. I was running around that venue. And I went into my car and I started editing. By the time they got back to the hotel, I sent the video. And he said, he said, could you come to Montreal tomorrow? Mm -hmm. He said, we can, we can do two things. We can pay for your accommodations or we can pay your fee. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, just pay me a fee and I'll drive back, right? He gave me 300 bucks for that day. And we drove up the morning, me, Power, and my brother. Mm -hmm. And we, um, we went, it was at um, Beach House or Beach Club. I forgot, the little island. Mm -hmm. There's a little island out there. And I shot it again. And this time I had a full performance. And I'm driving back and sent it to him. And I think they were traveling the next day. So the communication was there on August 4th, which is my birthday. Mm -hmm. uh, he called me, he said, Sean loves everything you did. And he would like you on his world tour. And I said, oh, my God. Just like that. Just like that. He said, but the only thing is he wants to know if you can shoot music videos because he has an artist named Cha-Ching-Ching -Ching that is going to come open in the shows for him and he wants to shoot two, you know, quick on the road type videos. Mm -hmm. I said, hell yeah, I can shoot music videos. Did I've you never ever? shot. <laughs> that's what, <laughs> that's what, that's what I've what never shot a video in my life. Mm -hmm. Never, never, never yeah. shot a video. I said, hell yeah. I said, I said, just show me some examples of what you like. And I got you. And he sent me some high-end videos. I said, yeah. Breeze. Mm -hmm. And I remember for that, it was two weeks out before we hit the road and I had my wife. She was she was the actress in the house and okay. I'm just shooting in the house, you know, trying to piece together this video. And man, but funny enough, when we did do the videos, it came out amazing. And it was one of the best videos Ching had at that point of time. Okay. Yeah. And what was her video? That one was called um, I Shall and I Will. Okay. That's the first video he ever came out with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, with me, I Shall and I Will. And then after we did another one called... Um, Weed Problems, that was with him and Sean. Mm -hmm. um, so those were actually my first two music videos ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing experience. And you didn't even, as a lot of people would say, it's like you did start local, but you started local party. It wasn't, you weren't dealing with like a lot of local artists. You're going to shoot no, videos yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. You just went straight for yeah. so I Grammy Award winning guy. So I did Chutney. The first artist that gave me some content was KI. Mm -hmm. KI and the band. And I started doing some tours with them, like some... In, well, in Trinidad, Trinidad tours within Trinidad, I should okay. say, yeah. Not like, you know, I did go to London with him once. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Chutney was my thing in the beginning. Mm -hmm. First first thing that gave me like a break per se, let me say. And then after that, um, Soka. 
then reggae, and then now hip hop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With Sean Paul now, what was that first world tour, or where where do you guys end up going on that? Tour? So the first day we ended in Rome, mm -hmm. um, and then we started kicked off the tour in uh, in Italy. Mm -hmm. Now do bear in mind that I've never been to these parts of the world. All I'm seeing in my path, my itinerary, and how it's organized is crazy. I've never mm -hmm. dealt with an organization like that. So in me. Like the questions I was asking everybody is just like they can see that you know this guy's brand <laughs> you're the new, yeah. you're, you're you're new, new guy. guy. Yeah. I'm like I'm like okay, so when when I fly there, like where do I meet you guys? And they're like, yeah. just we're gonna be in the airport. <laughs> when the same flight is like you know when you land, you'll see us. Yeah. I was asking quote when I came off, I saw drivers picking us up, people taking our bags. I'm just there like no, I could take my own bag. And they're like no, we good, we got you. Um, the tour manager came and he gave me that run was a thousand dollars, and I'm like. And in my head, I'm like, oh, shoot, this might be okay in advance school. And he's like, no, that's your per diem. I'm like, my per diem is $1,000, bro? What? I said, damn. I said, okay, yeah. life is good. Mm -hmm. They give you, and they separate it. They separate you in two teams. Team A, which is, you know, the artist and his immediate, so his manager, security, and then um, myself. Okay. And team B would be production, dancers, and so forth, right? So when you're with a team A or on a team A, you get everything that the artist gets. Mm -hmm. You get to stay where he stays. You get to drive where he's driving. You get the access he gets, right? Mm -hmm. So for someone who's never been on the road or experienced that before, for me, I was just like, you know? It's like, like damn. Blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right. like, damn. And he's an individual who is extremely, I think one of his major downfalls is his humbleness. Mm -hmm. It's extremely easy to forget who he is. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you just get this whiff of his music and his fan base and, you know, what he's done. Mm -hmm. And you're just there like, it's, yeah, it's, it's poor raising sometimes, you know? What was the craziest experience you remember mm -hmm. on that tour? Um, that first tour. Uh, that, okay, so it was, there's a festival in uh, London called V-Fest. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a major, I think it's Virgin Festival, Virgin Mobile Festival, Virgin Festival. And they had two stages. They had a hip-hop stage and they had the reggae stage. And the hip-hop stage, the, the, the headlines at the same time was Jay-Z. Mm -hmm. And the next stage was Sean. And I remember um, uh, both headliners was max to capacity. And for me, and you're talking about like thousands of people, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember... Um, Rihanna was there, Jay-Z was there, um, Anne-Marie, a whole bunch of other artists that I've never seen up close in person ever. Um, everyone is coming to his trailer saying hello. Um, that was that was a highlight for me, that mm -hmm. moment, you know? Um, apart from that, it's like a whole bunch of it, but that for me, seeing the... He was able to compete with that, mm -hmm. and especially in the UK, the reggae community is massive there. Okay. Massive, massive. I think it's the biggest in any part of the world. Maybe competing might be like Africa, but other than that, UK, UK reggae, oh, just different. So, especially his music, which is pop, pop reggae or mm -hmm. pop dancehall, you know, mainstream dancehall, appealing to the mass, you know. So having him see, I remember we're on stage, and he, if he says, you know, lift your hands, it took so long to get to the back mm -hmm. that the wave is small, you know. So you see people at the front lift their hands, and it takes a little while back there. I'm just there like, oh, man. But the respect and, you know, when I got his tour, I was like, oh, snap, Sean Paul, I loved it, you know? But, you know, I'm, let's say just comparing him to, like, who might have been, like, a big artist at that point. So, like, let's say you say Drake, for instance. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's until I got there, I really saw how massive he is, you know? But, yeah. That's when you really understood, That's okay, when, this is, this is yeah. serious. People stuff. sleeping outside yeah. the hotel. 
people pounding down doors. Yeah. And he really gets that over there, you know? And still to this day, I don't know, he'll, he feels like he can walk outside or he can go take a taxi. And, yeah. He, yeah, he's <laughs> and how did you keep yourself leveled, especially the first go around? Because, okay, by you get second and third, you kind of get used to it. But how did you level off on your first go around? Yeah, uh, well, it's. I think if I was with any other artist other than him, mm-hmm. I could have been affected by not, you know, but they're very humble, mm-hmm. you know. And they remind you of that, you know, just the interaction what they have with how they speak to, you know, the organizers of an event, the consideration they would have about things, you know, things happen, mm-hmm. um, how, the, how they treat fans. If I, I've been with artists who fans would come up to them and they would, security would just jump down their throat and the fan would, the, the artist would never back them up. They'd be like, yo, chill, let me take the picture. Yeah. Or just demand for certain things that's irrelevant. He, All green M&Ms. Literally. Yeah. Like, I do know an artist who demands yellow M&Ms. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, and it has yeah. to be, and I'm, it's, you think it's like, a, but it, it is a thing, yeah. you know, specific waters. And sometimes, you know, the countries you go to, they don't have that mm-hmm. or they don't have access. Or it, might, it doesn't make sense to get it, you know? Mm-hmm. And some artists understand that. Some really don't, you know? Um, if I was with any other artist other than him, I would have gotten big headed. I'm pretty anyone in that scene, you know. They'll come back and you'd be like, "Yo, I ain't working for no soca artist no anymore. So I'm not going to no fat no more." Like, yeah. you know, crazy. And funny enough, I always DJ White Boy. Right before I left on that tour, I covered two of his boat cruises. Yeah. And he messaged me and he said, "Bro, like, I see you pounding out all these videos, but you still haven't sent me mines yet." Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I could have really lied and say some stupid excuse, but. We've been in this business so long that you can spot bullshit from a distance. So I was like, bro, in all honesty, I'm so overwhelmed. I really did not think that I can. I thought I could have got through your projects and this projects, mm-hmm. but I just had to prioritize for now. But I'll make right. And he messed back. He said, yo, I truly appreciate that. And, and, and then he sent me the future bookings. And I said, I appreciate that. And I kept that relationship with every single artist I was over here, or, uh, promoter or DJs I was over here. I was communicating with them. I allocated. I got their work done regardless. And there was a time where Sean foot got injured, and he was off for an entire year. And guess what? You know who was paying my bills? All of my promoters from over here, all of my DJs from over here, who I never turned my like. You know, you're, not, you're not too big to deal with. I'm yeah, not tour, I can't deal with. Yeah, and court. There's only <laughs> 300 people. Yeah, I'm dealing with thousands right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could. Uh, some people feel like they're the artist sometimes, yo, mm-hmm. and you're nuts. You're working for that person. You're, you're just here to fulfill your part on this big team. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to business. Mm-hmm. And with business, you have to have proper work ethics. You have to have respect for people. And you have to, you know, and one hand don't clap, you know. So, yeah. yeah. What was the first video you did now for Sean? Because you did the two for Cha-Ching. Mm-hmm. So now, what was the first one now where you got to do Sean Paul? Oh, I did, so I did a lot of his, um, um, of his last album. Um so I think the first music video I did exclusively for him. Uh, so uh, I did about six or seven videos so far for him. Yeah. The first one I think might have been called Back It Up Day. Um, and Born Gallus. Um, then we did, uh, I did the Busy Signal and him. I forgot, uh, forgot the name of that track. Um, I did Intense and him. Skilly Bang. Massacre and him, mm-hmm. um, yeah, a few, yeah, yeah, a few, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're doing it, yeah. yeah. Okay, so then now, Sean Paul, that's cool. How did Cardi B now get into the mix of this? Cardi, this is where, um, so this is where 
when we were doing a Ching Ching video in New York, we were doing a music video and we already started shooting it here or on the road. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to New York and he said, he decided to change the concept. He said, we need, we're going to do green screen. Could you do green screen? Yeah. Well, of course I can. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I can do green screen. I could do green screen, you know? Uh. <laughs> I said, yeah, I could do green screen, man. This is the day before. Oh, my God. Yeah. Said, All right, cool. So I started YouTubing, calling friends, blah, blah. I was so nervous that day because I remember he put me in a WhatsApp group. And I, if I recall properly, it was me, Director X, Tanisha Scott, mm -hmm. the dancers and his managers on this WhatsApp group. And they're all directing the questions to me. First time I've actually handled a budget. Mm -hmm. Kiran, how much are we paying the dancers? What time is call time? We didn't have a call sheet yet, blah, 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 production stuff, right? I'm just like, shit, you know? And I'm answering, but I'm answering with confidence, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, answering with confidence, you know? Um, I go, I decide to go to a brunch event that day. Mm -hmm calm myself down and have a few drinks before the, the video shoot. When and I came to the video shoot and I, and I walk in the studio and I just see Tanisha there, the dancers there. Uh, Sean is now coming upstairs and I'm just like, this massive green screen room. Mm -hmm. So we start doing choreo, we start putting the dancers in first to get a feel of it. But on green screen, what, I've never, what I did not learn on YouTube was I needed to put, you know, markers. So there's no markers on this green screen. <laughs> so markers kind of allows you to track Right, yo. When we're when I'm editing, the, everything is floating all over the place, just floating. Float. The background is floating. The streets is over here. The dancers over there. Sean there. Like, uh. so we got it done. Mm -hmm. I pretty much whatever I was being paid for that shoot, I found somebody who can really edit green screen, and I just allocated that money to them. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, to save this project because there's no way you can go back and be like, listen, that we, you know, it didn't work. I didn't know what I was doing. I was on you're bullshit. Done. You know, you're, you're, you're done. done. You're done. You're, you're, done. you're never getting a shoot after you're that. Done. So, because of that, I met Tanisha Scott, mm -hmm. and she always used to follow. We we're in a group together on a WhatsApp group, and I guess she sees our conversation back and forth in the group and the stuff that I've been doing for Sean. And I got a contract with um, the Miss Universe pageant over here to handle the production. Okay. So I was dealing with the production and I seen, I'm on stage and it's a day of when they're about to announce the winner. I'm looking at my phone and I see Tanisha Scott calling. Now we, we, we chat, but we chat when we see each other on the road, mm -hmm. but never like calls or hanging out or whatever. And I said, okay, I'll call back. But she calls right again. I'm like, that's an unusual, you know, you know, individuals, who, you know what that means, right? Yeah. So I said, so I stepped out and she said, hey, Kieran, she said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm good. She said, are you available? What's your schedule looking like? Uh, I said, well, for when? She's like, well, for tomorrow. I said, well, I'm free. I said, I'm free. She said, well, I'm now, she's a creative director for Cardi B. Okay. Which I never knew. And she, uh, she wants me to come on the road to cover her stuff just like I would do Sean. But she said, Cardi is extremely, as much as we think she's out there, she's not. She's very, you know? Mm -hmm. So she said, I wanted you to come out, but for the first show, we just need to ease it in. And if you could do pro bono so I can show them what you're doing, and then we'll squeeze it in. I thought when she meant pro bono, I thought she meant like the tour, which was like a few days left. So I was, either way, I was like, yeah, right? So I said, cool. So she flew me out to Charlottesville. Uh, that was the first show. And I walk in and she brought me straight to Cardi's room. And however these people welcome me, it just was on the basis of Tanisha Scott, how she endorsed me or how she felt about me. or They embraced me like I was someone who's really doing it out here, <laughs> you know? And I said, damn, okay. Mm -hmm. So now I'm just even more nervous because I'm like, what did you sell me as? Because now I have to deliver. You know what I mean? What, like, you know, yeah. 
Are, am I creating a movie out of these recaps? Like, what? Because have you shown her what I did before? Yeah. Now I'm like a whole bunch of What's questions, right? Here? So she introduced me, and then after um, pre- preparing for the first show, and they bring us into the production room, and they said, guys, well, um, uh, there was a, a bomb threat, so we have to clear the building, and the show's not happening. Mm-hmm. So the show's canceled, and I flew back to uh, Toronto, and I was like, well, this is not happening again. Yeah. She like, had a chance, and then it is what it is, you know? She calls back, and she says, no, oh, this is the upcoming tour. Let's go again. Okay, cool. And then that's how that happened. And this time, I guess Sean was, he wasn't touring at this time here. So you had some free time to go on another tour? Yes, yes. So that was one of the major things too. So I remember having that conversation with uh, with Tanisha and she said, I said, well, let me just chat with Sean about it because I don't want him to feel I'm not doing his gigs anymore. Mm-hmm. So I told her, I said, you know, Cardi's a massive artist, lover, clearly I want the gig, but I will prioritize his tours if the co- schedule ever conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, it never happened. It happened slightly once, which was for a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but he understood that. He's like, cool. Um, but I had the conversation with him. He said, bro, if you were doing nothing but growing, not growing, then it defeats what you're trying to do. So do your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just had basic conversation about, you know, n- not him telling me who to work with, but more so him telling me how to protect my imagery and my brand for what I've built so far. Mm-hmm. And I said, I fully get that. So, yeah. That's big. So you ended up doing a recap at Super Bowl? Yeah, well, no, it was so not at Super Bowl, but she was there during the Super Bowl weekend. So mm-hmm. they, she was promoting Fast and Furious 9. Mm-hmm. So they had a Super Bowl event and they had like all of the, um, they had a, a bunch of events, but they also had uh, the Fast 9 premiere. Mm-hmm. So you had like Vin Diesel and all of them that was there. Yet another crazy experience. Talk, but, to, uh, talk yeah, to me about it. Well, that was so... I thought she was just doing the soundtrack mm-hmm. for F9, mm-hmm. but she actually was in F9. Oh, she was in Yeah, F9. she's in F9. Yeah, yeah, she's in F9. For a small part, but she was in F9. And we get there, and um, uh, you you have... Oh, who's the guy that died? The is Asian Chinese guy that died in the old F9, but we saw him there, and we're like, how are you... Oh, so you're coming back, and you know? So <laughs> we got a little preview of certain things in the movie. Like, oh, so you're coming back. You're alive. You are. Okay, so... Um, her team is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, her, her herself is an amazing individual. Um, you can see why sometimes she's outspoken on internet. Mm-hmm. But I remember during the press conference, um, there was a specific reporter that was there. And the reporter was like, why are you not giving me an interview? And her PR at that time was saying, no, no, no. Like telling the reporter, no, no. Right? And Cardi pulled her aside. She said, listen, I... I don't want to do the interview because I know who that is or what they're trying to do. But on the same note, I know how they're going to try to spin it. Mm-hmm. So let's figure this out, right? And thoughtful process like that to try to give everybody a chance. But also, uh, I've seen stuff that those promoters did before because I've been in the presence of it, the, the actual thing and how they twist it. And a lot of people don't realize how much you can hurt an artist's life from, you know, from a marriage or a child or their friends, you know, by certain things you'll say. Because you don't really get to be with them, so you'll just really it's a, you're they, saying get stuff, and then that. you're just on to on to the next. You yeah. don't even really care. Correct, correct, correct. And you can and, and you can really hurt somebody that way. And I've seen it. And yeah, but uh, other attributes about her is like whatever she has in her dressing room, the dancers needs to have. I've known other artists, big artists, female artists, who pretty much would put their dance in like a motel in the south side of the hood somewhere. Yeah cool, whatever, you just get paid for a gig. She takes care of everyone really, really well. If she goes to an after party, they'll set up a table for us, provide us with what we need. She, some They don't do that. They don't interact. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an artist, uh, when we were in somewhere in South America, 
Sean always goes out with us mm-hmm. anywhere, or he'll take us out, especially if like museums or like sightseeing. Okay. And there was another uh, group of dancers from another artist there, and he invited them to come with us. And he's like, I can't believe you do. We never, they don't even come to our, they don't even come see us backstage, nothing. So it's really, so I got blessed with being with him from the get-go, mm-hmm. you know? And then seeing how you should really be treated and respected. What do you find is the biggest difference now dealing with a major dancehall act mm. and a major hip-hop act? What's the biggest difference you find? Um, well, apart from the crowd, mm-hmm. yeah, apart from the crowd, uh, in all honesty, it would be the networking that I would see behind stage, you know? Um, that's mainly what I've noticed, the difference between those two. Mm-hmm. It's how much they tour, because mm-hmm. um, dancehall and reggae artists tour year-round. They don't need an album to come out to tour. They don't need a project. They tour year-round. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainstream artists tour based on, you know, a project coming out, something they need to promote. Mm-hmm. But mostly what I've noticed with main artists is the networking that they would do. Yeah. Um, that's that, That's been my biggest thing. So for me, with Sean, it's... I've always met some amazing people, but also with Cardi, it's like people I won't even find a phone number for or for an email for. They're just there. Yeah. And just based on her name and you just doing content for her, it's like, listen, we want you. You might even be good at your stuff, but they just want, uh, we have Cardi B's uh, video director doing whatever the case may be. Cool. And, you know, you kind of go from there. It's the, it's the, as the, the, the drink, they call it the, the stimulus package. That's yeah, the Cardi B stimulus yeah, package. There you go. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. That cloud they want for sure. You yeah. get it. So another big, huge dancehall act that you were involved with, Bojo Bantu. Mm-hmm. Right. How yeah. did that happen? How did you guys connect now? So that, um, so there's Sean Paul's DJ. Uh, his name is Copper Sean. Mm-hmm. And he is also a producer, and he produces sometimes with uh, a producer by the name of Young Power. Mm-hmm. Young Power is uh, Damian Molly's engineer. So he shouted me a day, he's like, yo, Baby Sham is coming to Toronto. He's doing a show, mm-hmm. and he's a producer, so he's paying out of pocket for it. He said, bro, just help me with some visuals, please. I said, yo, whatever, cool, just let me know. Mm-hmm. And I have a photographer over here that I, I was like, yo, just do some behind the scenes for me. I want to give my boy some good stuff regardless, right? Mm-hmm. Low budget video, we're just going to get it done. 2500 for this video, mm-hmm. running gun kind of stuff. And he said, um, he said, yo, why are you doing this? So in his head, my the photographer head, you just came off the road with Cardi and Sean. Why are you doing this for 2500 bucks, right? And I said, yo, you have no idea, yeah. apart from who Baby Sham is, is what, who might be looking at him or how we might get a, a, a contact, right? I've always gotten links that way. Always, always, always. What it seems like with this entire conversation, what you're saying to me mm-hmm. is network. Network, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That's what the whole conversation is about. Yeah. Some people look at compensation as monetary value only, and they fail to realize the other picture behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. So not only was I able to, you know, me and my copper Sean have a stronger relationship now because he sees that we're working together, mm-hmm. but also... Um, when I did that for Baby Sham, I remember that day we just linked and we just, and he's, listen, I thought he was going to be an aggressive guy. Yeah. I thought he was going to be demanding. I thought he was going to be like, you know, you know, no, non-foolishness. Mm-hmm. Yo, a kind guy, yo. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, don't, what he sings, mm-hmm. he's a whole different being, you know? Yeah. But he is also that individual on stage, you know? Uh, but I'm like, yo, you like, he's a sweet, sweet, humble man. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyhow, so he, uh, we do the visuals, and then we're dropping him back to his hotel. 
And he says, um, he starts playing me other tracks. And he said, yo, I would love for you to shoot these videos for me. I said, you're cool. You're just, I'm here whenever you're ready, right? Um, I go away to Europe and I remember having dinner and I see, um, I see Baby Sham calling me. Mm-hmm. And I step outside and he said, um, yo, my, my brethren, his name is um, Dave Kelly. Is gonna call you. He's gonna call. I didn't know who Dave Kelly was. What? Did not know who Dave yeah. Kelly was. Did not. He said Dave Kelly is gonna call you. Um, he produced a track, mm-hmm. and he. Um, I told him about you, and he's like, he said you're you're already getting the video, mm-hmm. but just give him a treatment or whatever, right? I said, oh, wicked. I said, I right, cool, got you. So I heard the track, and when I heard the track, I didn't know it was Bougie either. I did not know. It didn't sound like Bougie to me. You I know said, what? Because he had changed at this when he had done the Dave Kelly song, mm. he had changed his his vibe a bit, especially when it started. So I could understand yeah, yeah. where you kind of wouldn't know that. But yes. also too is that there were nuances in the song when I heard it that sounded like him, but I would not believe it would have been him coming to me. Yeah, because it's not like he's when they're not like you're you just came out of you had your homecoming concert. Yeah, you're fresh. You just put out one song before that. Mm-hmm. You're signed to Rock Nation. You have directors. From left, right, and center, right? Anybody. But the link came to the Baby Sham based on that video that I did here and mm-hmm. I was just vibing that day, genuine vibes, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he called me and he said, well, this is a Jamaican artist, um, but we have to turn the video around in 72 hours. We have to shoot it there because mm-hmm. of logistical issues. He can't leave. And um, send me back a treatment, right? Mm-hmm. He never told me who it was. Never told me who it was. And then I, um, I said, yo, dope track. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the idea that I have for the video. And he said, they said they want to keep it very simple. Mm-hmm. I said, cool. He said, I'm going to create a group with you and the artist and then kind of just figure out like if he wants to add anything, right? So at this time, he's <laughs> still not telling you who it is or you I, didn't or no, you never, paying attention. No, I, really, I, I never asked. Mm-hmm. I, um, I just listened to the song, wrote the treatment, and uh, he never told me who it was, right? Mm-hmm. And then he added me to a group. And then I remember um, when he added me to the group, I think I was traveling, so he kept messaging in the group. Mm-hmm. But I was not responding. So uh, I saw a few missed calls and I called back. And then he said, hey, Kiran, we're going, da, da, da. And I said, I said, hey, how are you doing? And he said, I'm good. I said, who is this? And he said, it's Mark. And I said, oh, nice to meet you. Yeah. And I said, and what role do you play with Bougie? And he said, he started laughing. Because I didn't know his name was Mark. <laughs> I never knew his real name was Mark. His real name is Mark. Yes. And I said, oh, shit. <laughs> I said, what? I said, yo, nice to meet you. And I hit. I hit my phone because I really didn't be that hit my face, mm-hmm. FaceTime. Wow. And then he picked it up. I said, oh, shit. I said, yo, nice to meet you, man. Mm-hmm. It's an honor. I really appreciate you. You know, he said, yo, thank you for coming down here and da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And he said, anything you need, let me know. And I said, I appreciate it. And he said, um, he said, uh, do you think it's realistic to turn this around in that time frame? I said, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. He said, cool. Uh, so when with the 72, they wanted it to be shot and edited shot, within 72? Yeah, shot and edited within 72 hours, right? And he said, he said uh, cool. So he said, um, they'll send in your passport information, whoever's going to take care of it when I get there. So I sent in all my info. Um, I landed. Same thing with Tanisha, with Cardi. I don't know what Sham or Dave Kelly sold to him, mm-hmm. but they treated me so well. Man gave me this house. Man gave me a driver, security. I was able to bring my wife. Mm-hmm. My the, Oh, the behind-the-scenes guy, mm-hmm. the photographer from the Baby Sham shoot, I called him when I got that call. Mm-hmm. And I said, bro, you remember what you told me? Because he loves Bougie too, and he's an Indian guy, right? And I said, I'm going to bring you down to Jamaica to shoot the behind-the-scenes for me. And he said, since that day, 
he has changed his personality and his mindset yeah. because he's seen, you know, you can't be closed-minded to certain things, right? Mm -hmm. That was like a highlight for me with that specific, because I bring that story up all the time with people. I tell them, I'm like, yo, don't close your door quickly. You never know. So I get down there. The morning we slept, we woke up. I'm in the kitchen. I'm doing like whatever dishes I'm doing. And I see, I see, um, I see this guy come in. And but I take two looks, right? I'm like, it's a rasta guy. So yeah. I thought it was like somebody. And I take two looks, and it's him. Yeah. But he looks big. He's big. He wasn't skinny. He was big. Roll up, he roll up his hair. He's like, "Kira, we're gonna." He came in the cast like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "I didn't know you were gonna," because he was not scheduled to be there. Okay, but he just came just to welcome us mm -hmm. personally. And he said, "Come, let's go outside and smoke." And da da da. We go outside, and that's the picture that I eventually posted. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, "What the fuck? You sure? You sure that's Buju?" Yeah. And I'm there, and I'm standing, and like, I was so like, I was even telling uh, the the photographer, I was like, "Bro," he was like, "Take." Pictures. I was like, "I don't know if to take pictures." Like hold back mm -hmm. because the phone is all about devices and shit so he don't trust devices so I'm like let's not crowd the man too early he now walked in listen mm -hmm. and, but he he was like yo are we like could you take some pictures and when you tell him act mm -hmm. he acts like he does not get out of character he got up he said let's go by the pool let's go here and he just started and he does his thing like his thing and you just feel it know when it it's it clicks in. Yeah, yeah, you know when it's clicked in like when he's on stage he does his thing and he's just there and, he's, and he speaks in his voice his voice gets deeper and he's like and it's the bougie that you love, you love, you love. And your pores just raise and you're like, yeah. shit. He stayed with us for the entire day and hanged out. And um, he took us to this, uh, we went to, we were doing the shoot. Um, Dave Kelly came and he, Dave, he came and he, he's like, Kira, what's going on? I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. Like, uh, sorry, who are you again? Yeah. And he's like, Dave Kelly, because I've never seen how he looks. No, boss, 99% of the world has no clue what Dave Kelly looks like. None. So, None. So this is this is what I found out because I said, yo, uh, and take a picture of us. And he said, nope. So he took the picture, but he's like this. I'm like, he's like, no, I don't take pictures. I'm like, oh, you don't? I never knew that. Sham was like, he does not take pictures. Mm -hmm. So now we have a really good relationship with everyone, you know, just mm -hmm. because of that project. But once Bougie got involved, the simplicity in the project went up way more. <laughs> He's like, because we were like, do you want dancers in it? Because I don't know if he wants dancers in it. He wants to just keep it very, you know. Mm -hmm. He's like, we need girls. We need 10 girls in it. Like, she's like, all right, cool. Mm -hmm. We need 10. Uh, and then this was one of the things that um, I circle back to Sean because uh, when somebody gives you a chance, like an artist of, of uh, Sean Paul's caliber, there's nothing you can really do to repay them, mm -hmm. you know, other than show your progress um, and make them proud with your your growth and so forth. And I was telling him, I said, oh, I'm coming down to do the Buju video. And him and Buju has a very good relationship. I went to see him in prison. They did songs together that wasn't released at that time and, mm -hmm. and so forth. And I said, I would love if you can come and do a cameo in the video. And he was like, and I said, I'm pretty confident Buju would be cool with that. Mm -hmm. And Buju didn't invite anyone else, yeah. anyone else. He had two of his brethren, who were also artists there. Mm -hmm. And he said, yo, I love that. And I know for sure that made him so happy, you know, so happy. Because that was a moment for everyone. Everyone in Jamaica would have loved an opportunity for that, right? And the sad, the bad part about it is that uh, the time that I gave Sean to come, mm -hmm. we have to finish the shoot earlier because we were doing this outdoor scene with smoke. And some of it got in Buju's throat. Mm -hmm. So we had to stop the shoot earlier because it started fucking him up, messing him up, sorry. Mm -hmm. So he, um, so when Sean got there, he was only to do his part by himself. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. It doesn't matter. But yeah, that's that's a story with that. Yeah. And did you guys do one video or was two videos you guys did? Oh, so we did um, two parts to mm -hmm. it. So when we sent in the first cut in Jamaica, they loved the dancing scenes mm -hmm. and they wanted more of it. 
So they asked us if we can do a second day, which we did here in Toronto. Okay. And that was uh, when we bought, then that's when I got Tanisha on board. So I had to circle back that way now again. So I said, I remember talking to them. I was like, um, there's like, who can we get to? We would, and they brought up the Give Me The Light videos, those dance trends from back then. I was so memorable when dancers go in the club, they can mimic it. Mm-hmm. So they wanted something like that for the trust video. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, Tanisha Scott did all that, and that's my homegirl. So they said, if you can get her, we're good to go. Mm-hmm. So we got her, and we did the shoot over here, and we got a bunch of local Jamaican talent from here. Mm-hmm. And they killed it. They killed it. Yeah. It's just always so crazy how the Toronto connection mm-hmm. always comes in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yep. with Sean Powell, where he got his big break, that was Director X and Tanisha Scott. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Connected. Okay, cool. Then you came in, you did your part with Sean Paul. You came in, you did your part with Bojo. Cardi B, the Canadian Toronto, especially Toronto connection, is so super crazy. Yep. They underestimated the Toronto. Yeah, yeah, trust me. Yeah. There was a time during COVID where... Uh, the Billboard t- top ten was Canadian artists, only Canadian artists, and I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, yeah. Especially growing up in the city, you see how far we've grown as a city when it comes to entertainment and music. Yes, you know yes. what I mean. When I when I moved there in two thousand and five, I cried, and I was I was sixteen. I was trying to figure out how to finance myself to move yeah. back to New York because <laughs> it was exactly what I assumed here was. Mm-hmm. There's no major nightlife, no festival, no mm-hmm. musical vibe. No, it didn't feel cultural at all. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was a definitely there was always been a dancehall culture over here, but there's never like coming from New York in the prime times. You know, so yeah, it never felt that comparison to how it is now. So mm-hmm. I've seen the growth of it, and yeah. Another person I know that you connected with. I'm not sure in what capacity you've connected with him, Junior Gang. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. do you guys connect, and what exactly are you doing? If anything at all with Tom Junior. Okay. Um, so Junior Gong. So the first time I connected with Junior Gong was when I did the Skip Marley documentary. Yes. So, yeah. so I did um I did that with Boomshot. Well Boomshot brought me on board. Mm-hmm. Um Boomshot is Rob Kenner, a gentleman by the name of Rob Kenner. He was one of the founders of Vibe magazine. Mm-hmm. And then the column that he had was Boomshots and now he just transitioned that fully into himself. So him him and uh and uh Title was doing the documentary for Skip Marley because it was the first time that a reggae artist was nominated for an R&B album or something of that sort. Okay. But it was something that was in Bob Marley's song, so it was a major thing for that. It's like, you know, manifestation kind of vibe. So I remember that morning that we were in Miami and we're ready to shoot, but we need to go shoot Skip Marley's part at his house, which he lives with his mother, Sadella Marley. Mm-hmm. So we woke up that morning and all I, I got in a group that um, Rita Molly passed. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, shit. Is this true? Because I've heard that there have been stories like this before, fake mm-hmm. news. But we just don't know. So Rob was like, I don't know. I don't want to ask a question. If they, if they bring it up, have them bring it up. And if they cancel it, that's obviously we are understanding to that. Yeah. So we got a message from Sadel Molly's um, uh, assistant saying, hey, guys, what time are you coming? And can you shoot us a... So we're like, is either trying to play it off or keep it under wraps or mm-hmm. nothing really happened. Yeah. So we got the green light. We go over to the house. And it was very airy. Felt weird. Mm-hmm. You know, um, before we go, we had to stay outside for a long time waiting for, because prime COVID time too. So everyone was also like, mm-hmm. so that could have also been a thing. So we're then we're trying to figure out, yo, know, what's going what's on? What's going on? <laughs> we we started going through the, the shoot. We started doing the interviews. 
at the end of it, we go into their studio and he starts doing the drops. And then Sadella Molly comes and she's like, somebody wanna say hi to you guys? And then Rita Molly comes by the door. And we're just there like, oh my God. And and then she looked at us, she's like, I know you guys heard that they, <laughs> that they try to get that. <laughs> but she's here, look, yeah. she's here. And man, that was a moment, that was a moment. She started giving us some stories as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I, like, the experiences I've had, I don't think it really hit me yet because mm-hmm. I've been on the go, 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 but I pocket all of them and I, like, I jot them down yeah. and I store like footage that I would have, like seeing Skip Marley on the, like a, a star fruit tree singing his grandfather's track, then meeting Rita right after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during that process, we were uh, interviewing Damien Marley. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got there, a few members in his camp knew me. So... Uh, it was a it was a warm welcome for everyone, and then uh, once again, when you're on the road and you see someone in person, is when business starts happening, mm-hmm. or they bring projects up, or it might just click. Yo, maybe I should do this with this individual. So um, he has a Stephen Marley's son. His name is uh, Joe Mercer Marley, mm-hmm. and he's signed to their label, which is Get to Youths. Damien and Stephen has together, mm-hmm. and they ask if I can do three or five music videos for him. And I said, yeah. yeah. I said, 100%. I said, yeah, I can do that. They said, um, we're now trying to kick him off. You know, this is the budget. We want to get five whatever videos out of it. We want some creative ideas. And I was like, cool. And I came up with ideas, gave it to them, and they're like, let's do that. So I started building. He started seeing my work ethics and started building some trust with them because, you know, with I've, with individuals such as them, it, it's, it works more for them with respect than anything else. You can be amazing at what you do, but you can... It'd be, you know, respect is like a massive thing. Mm-hmm. And they've given it to us and we give it back in return. You know, you go by his studio and he'll greet you with food. Mm-hmm. He, he speaks so polite. He, he's never, like his, their mannerism is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, when, do, when do you leave, whether they say anything or not, you don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> I can't see it. Right there. Yeah, I can't see them yeah. being that, those individuals. Mm-hmm. They're just, and you give it back to them, you know. You say what you do and you do what you say. And they, they love that. So from that, he's just started giving me projects after projects after projects. And uh, one of the upcoming shoots that we have uh, is uh, Damien, and there's a Latin artist named Nikki Jam, and uh, Sean Paul, which is a track called No Fear. Okay. And then, you know, hopefully more comes down the line, but they've constantly been sending me stuff. I just did another video for a Young Pow with Busy Signal, and we did that in the desert in Vegas. Yeah. And that was a four-hour random shoot. Not a random shoot, but a four-hour shoot that we just had to get done quickly before we flew out. But that's how that connect happened. You know, initially met him that way, and then because Young Power knew me, um, the Young Power came from uh, from Capuchon. Mm-hmm. It just comes back in a circle. It always comes back in a circle. It's always. networks, connections, work ethic. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. One thing, because this right now, what I want to ask you, especially for other creatives that's in the business doing their thing, mm-hmm. I want to know this in particular. When do you, or even right now, how do you figure out how to properly price yourself and say, okay, mm-hmm. this is what I want, this is the going rate, or whatever the case, or do you even figure that out yet? No, I haven't. I, yeah, I haven't. So, I priced myself when I was doing event recaps mm-hmm. based on my expense for the month and based on how many events I was doing. So I was for when I was doing event recaps, I had annual bookings and I could have predicted my two year income based on, you know, promoters. They have their weekend mm-hmm. every single week year. This is 
and I was getting books for all of them. So cool. Mm-hmm. Once you have them, that's my income. Cool. Yeah. So for two years, I could have predicted it, and I was like, cool. If I can make X amount for the um, year or for the month, I'm good. So including some profit. So my expenses are a dollar. I need to make four dollars to live good, you know, kind of thing. So that's how I pretty much priced that when I was doing event recaps. Mm-hmm. And then when it came to now doing production, there's really no scale to it. Mm-hmm. Now I have a flat free for directing and editing. But before it was like, okay, cool, what's the budget? And you try to trim that budget as much as you can to keep some profit for yourself. So mm-hmm. and also be like, cool, we have twenty five hundred dollars, cool. Well, that's just me with my camera, that's all you get. And I'm gonna edit after yeah. that, you know? Then someone would be like, I have five now. Okay, cool. Well, I can get a second camera. Okay, we can get a location now. We can, mm-hmm. you know? And then when you start working with labels, although they they have caps for budgets, I've never gotten to that cap, mm-hmm. but you can pretty much give them everything that they want and you can get a great deal of profit out of it. Um, so it really depends on the project. Uh, independent artists, you know, you have to work with them because they can't pay what a label pays mm-hmm. and vice versa, you know? Like you, a label is not going to want to get what an independent artist gets. They're going to want some good production. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand personalities. You need to understand that there's different, you know, uh, scales of work and work with them. And if it might be uh, an artist that has a low budget, mm-hmm. but it's an amazing artist, that's the compensation there. That's on your resume. He might mm-hmm. connect you with somebody else. But if it's an artist that really is not doing anything with themselves, there's no drive, they're really just trying to do this for all the wrong reasons yeah. and a low budget, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you can skip one. Yeah. You can skip one. <laughs> yeah. I've preached it so many times to um, so many videographers here. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who, well, an uh, Instagram friend, who he's an amazing videographer. I've seen him doing probably, he probably pounds out eight music videos a month. But I've seen him throw up a package and he's like, you know, for $1,000 you can get this and for $1,500 you can get that. I'm like, for what? For the, for music video, bro? Yeah. And he said, yeah, he said, my mom is sick um, and I can't afford to lose my income, right? And that's, as a hard debate, it's a hard thing to tell him to be like, it will sacrifice him for the longevity. Mm-hmm. But on the, sa- on the same note, it's like, you can't go back to that artist next month and be like, I want 5000 now. Yeah. You, there's no way you can ever go back to that audience and do that, right? So I said, at some point in time, if you want to keep your old clients on a scale of work or income, but your new clients you want to start doing that with, then do that, bro. But you need to transition yourself because you can keep doing a $1,500 music video and he does good work. So yeah. I know the time he's taken to do that. And I said, but, you know, his, his expenses, the mom, it's a tough decision for somebody to make who feels like I'm not getting a break because somebody who's in the business that long and working with so many artists, sometimes they feel that I'm, I've tried everything and I'm not going to get another opportunity, you know? So I'm going to, I'm a comfort zone. I'm going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The funny thing with mm-hmm. it, because I remember one point music videos were it, that everybody had yeah. to have a music video. This is when they were on TV, much music, BT, wherever. Yeah. And then all of those went away and then there was a rise of YouTube. But outside mm-hmm. of even YouTube with the Instagrams and TikToks and Snapchats mm-hmm. and whatever else is going to be coming up, I find that content is even more important now yeah. than ever. Yeah. I've made more, throughout my career in the industry, I've made more during covid Mm-hmm from any time I've worked, any, and that's without touring. And that's because the demand for content got so high. Mm-hmm. Um, you had artists who um, ventured into so many different things. Like I know uh, artists you would never think to see on TikTok, yeah. you're seeing them on TikTok. Um, artists, 
have, well, not only artists, but now you've seen platforms mm -hmm. creating opportunity as well, where um, because content is needed, they need to compete with other. Like Instagram has reels now, mm -hmm. but that's Instagram's version of TikTok. Of course. Then you have um, Facebook, you have I, iMessage, where you're now receiving shows. So I can go on iMessage, and I can just, me and my friends can watch a whole movie there together, mm -hmm. but only on Facebook, because Facebook has a series of stuff coming out. Got you. TikTok, the exact same thing. They used to only be short form, not as long form on TikTok. Yeah, up to 10 minutes or something. Yeah, like that. Mm -hmm. and you're like, all right, cool. So now, because these platforms are not only monetizing themselves, it's a given artists and influencers and creative mm -hmm. opportunities to you know go to that space and create stuff so i've actually tapped into that and a prime example would have been i'm um everyone would dm me mm -hmm. and they would ask me questions about my career mm -hmm. and i said yo um you know it's just like our phone our phone it's like a, a bank account because the contacts you would have in that phone it's your currency you know it's just like a network your yeah. network is your net worth. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. very true saying. Mm -hmm. You know, imagine if you got the whole of Drake's phone mm -hmm. and you got those contacts in his yeah. phone. You know yeah. what I mean? Some people just can't get access to certain people, but there's individuals who can make a phone call or, you know, refer you and you're good. Mm -hmm. So I remember I was like, yo, I, I need to stop always giving away, like taking this 10 minutes out of my day and, and there's a balance because it fights with you, right? You're like, you're, all, you're gonna always want to help somebody. But on the same note, it's like, Yo, some people just ask you these questions just to ask or something. Like, yeah. it's draining, right? So They just want to know that they have access to you without really wanting anything more than that. Yeah, correct, correct. I, I feel so sometimes. Uh, yeah, I like how you said that. Yeah. Very true, mm -hmm. very true. Like, let me see. Yeah, true, true. Um, so this is where the OnlyFans thing came in. Mm -hmm. So I remember I've seen OnlyFans pop up so many times. Like, But OnlyFans is adult content from what I know. So I remember put up a post and I said, well... No, I, I started seeing like a lot of friends in my community mm -hmm. having only fans page, but I'm like, I thought it's only adult, and it's not. So, I put up a post. And I said, well, I'm gonna have a only fans page that's devoted to when you go onto my page, I will already have a video with all these answers and questions that you would have, right? Uh, so it's already there. So you can go. I can monetize that eventually once I have a subscription bill up and and all the questions you need, including like some tutorials I'll throw up there. And that's one of the issues that Instagram was having. They were so scared of these platforms that was now having creatives being paid for their content, then throwing it up free on their Instagram mm -hmm. on their Instagram page. And I posted it, and then Insta, uh, tick, uh, OnlyFans message DM'd me directly. One well, a girl from OnlyFans, mm -hmm. and she said, "Hey, Kiran, I represent OnlyFans. I saw your post um, X, Y, and Z." And I said. Okay, can you send me an email? And she said, sure. And she sent me an email. It was from OnlyFans. So yeah. I said, okay, cool. You wanted the official yeah. to make sure. And I said, okay, yeah. cool. And she said, um, so she said, let me just explain uh, before you get turned away. And she said, we opened OnlyFans started in 2015. And it was for content creators to, you know, put up their, their, their work. And, you know, fans of theirs would come and they would love it. Mm -hmm. Now we, ha we have something, uh, what is it, Triller? It's Triller? Yes. Triller, right? We have Triller now, right? No, it's no, not Triller. What's the platform DJs go on now? Twitch. Twitch. Yeah. Twitch is known for games. Mm -hmm. That's what it actually was for gamers. Mm -hmm. And because Instagram or couldn't, you can stream live because of the copyright, they started moving over to Twitch so they can actually stream and do their live performances without any copyright issues. Yeah. So you started seeing um, that, that happen with OnlyFans is that black pages went down, 
all these adult sites went down because they had like escorting uh, human trafficking. And a lot of the, the strip clubs during COVID closed down. So everyone went to OnlyFans mm -hmm. because they realized that it's an easy platform for us to get, you know, subscription for our stuff. Mm -hmm. And they got known for adult content. So there's a stigma there to it. Yeah. But also there is um, there's uh, a massive opportunity there for it for some individual like myself. I remember, so they joined me. They they put up an ad well my intro. You know, welcome me to the OnlyFans platform. And I woke up the morning and I saw like 800 something subscri subscribers. And I said, and she said, now monetize it for eleven dollars and ninety five cents. I said, you sure? Mm -hmm. She said, yeah, trust me, monetize. I had one post mm -hmm. up, nothing more, one post. And I monetized it, and I kept it there for one month, and I was like, what? I said, damn. I, just, I haven't kept it as active, but I'll take it off one month to allow new subscribers to go up, and then I'll put it back on a month. Mm -hmm. But that just came through um, creating opportunities for yourself, mm -hmm. you know? So I think when you, when you, the question you were is like, uh, do you see more content being created and why? And those are the reasons why, you know, because the only way you would have gotten access to anyone was through online now. Mm -hmm. And everyone wanted either music videos, either some relevancy, you know, people were doing the live performances. I know a lot of people hated it. Verses got created. Fat Joe did that. Uh, he's doing his podcast, which is an amazing podcast. Mm -hmm. So many crazy things came out of it. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that's amazing because I've seen the, the master's class and as you said, OnlyFans is usually the stigma mm -hmm. of its adult site, whatever yeah. the case is, but it's for the brave people that could go over, okay, it's it's just adult and let yeah. me try something else because I know there's so much more to the platform. They're the people that's going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a prime example of someone who um, who has amazing brand skills is Snoop Dogg. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He is, like I've seen ads with him in Australia Speaking Hindi in India, <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, yo, he's on everything. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, but, but, the, but although he's a, a part of someone else's brand, like it becomes his because mm -hmm. yeah, it's just Snoop. Yeah, you know. So I'm like, yo, that's so fire. You know, not saying we're gonna take advantage of everything. Yeah, but, but he, there's some stuff to take and choose. It. Yeah, my wife talking about Snoop. I think my wife hates the skip the dishes. Skip the dishes, Snoop. It comes on every, like, it yeah, comes yeah. on like a show religiously every 30 seconds. Skip the dishes, Snoop. That's the one that my wife. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah, you remember, like, the guy who used to do that Everest ad? Yeah. Yes, yes guy. Like yes. him. Just, just oh. get up and go. Just get up. <laughs> just go. You can do yeah, it. Yeah, get up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the hardest part about what you do? Being a film director in today's market, mm. what do you find is the hardest part? Uh, related to film directing or just in general? In the space, film directing in that space there, mm -hmm. when it comes to content or anything, what's your hardest part you find most difficult for you? Uh, recently, um, the hardest part I've been finding is reliable people. Yeah. Um, I, like I genuinely beg my team sometimes to be like, yo, bro, listen. Take advantage of these opportunities you have. Like I, an example would be, I created a company and I passed it off to one of my guys mm -hmm. with a client list that's active. It's not like you need to go and solicit work, you need to do any of that. Never did anything with it. And I said, bro, it's four hours on the weekend, mm -hmm. maybe two days, and your income is there for the entire month or something like that, right? Yeah. Never did anything with it. Um, and it, 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 people think, um, they're grinding mm -hmm. until they really meet somebody, you know, who's grinding. 
and then you put some fear into them. Yeah. And you start getting hate from them. You start seeing how uh, uh, intimidated they are and how much growth that they need to do, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, that's one of the biggest things I've seen now. And then outside of that, traveling. Bro, traveling is just a headache. Yeah, traveling is a headache. Yeah. Well, yeah, with the testing here, testing there. And I've seen you from Dubai to Las Vegas to you name it. You've been mm-hmm. any and everywhere. One part in one place you've been in particular that was seemed amazing to me. And it's just something very small but amazing. The fact that you were even on Breakfast Club. You weren't Ooh, there yeah. as an artist, but you were there to do work. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, yeah. How was that feeling going to Breakfast Club, boss? Well, so I grew up in the Bronx. Yeah. So that was, for me in the cell, just, mm-hmm. you can even get in the building. Mm-hmm. Like, I know artists trying to get in that building. You can't even get in the building. Mm-hmm. So you go up there and you're like, um, there's a lady that, uh, they're a very tight-knit family mm-hmm. up there, you know? So going there and actually seeing the room, um, seeing the cuts that they do and how they really uh, get to work. Yeah. Uh, I was actually trying to see Charlemagne in his true color, like, you know, being like <laughs> on, on someone, but he wasn't. Yeah. But um, it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. And what I get out of those moments, although I'm not the talent that they're interviewing, is the content for my Instagram or for, because it's value there. Yeah. I only have like, I have less than 10,000 people on my Instagram, but I have a lot of important people on my Instagram. That's the name you know? of the game, boss. Yeah. So for me, I've started realizing how much I need to be cautious of what I post, you know? Um, I've, 90% of my work comes from Instagram or from, yeah, from networking through networking, my Instagram. Yeah. And I've always seen, um, you can tell when somebody's tapped in because small nuances, you know, whether they like the post, whether they comment on the post. And it's something very almost kind of obscure where most people wouldn't know, but from your in the loop and you know, you know, correct. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. I don't need the thousand girl in downtown Toronto (laughs) to care about or follow me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But people in my industry, like, you know, I have uh, like the head of CAA, the head of uh, Warner Chapel music, you know, Mm -hmm. directors and artists. And it's like, Cool. Then that's literally, um, I got a, I'm in the process of working on a deal with Sony Latin. And that came through this gentleman who I met on the road. And he's, his name is Bruno. Mm-hmm. He's the head of CAA in, um, in Miami. Mm-hmm. And he just saw my Instagram and he said, are you okay with me sending over this to Sony Latin? And I said, yes. I no, posted I my reel. I don't think so. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't want you to know. No. <laughs> and I, po- I posted my reel and he got it from me. He's like, and I said, yes. And mm-hmm. probably like a year later is when he set up a meeting mm-hmm. and we had the meeting and hopefully that goes well. I'm trying to jinx myself, but I was just connecting that through the mm-hmm. power of filtering and networking through your social medias, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah. So one name we brought up earlier, Director X. Mm-hmm. Have you guys actually collaborated any work? He gives you some tidbits. What's the relationship like with you and Director No, I just, I have a really organic relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never discussed business with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I've mentioned like a few things that I'm working on or we, maybe we could in the future, mm-hmm. but he's clearly somebody that we all look up to. Um, and, you know, sometimes they say the, the thing about when you look up somebody, try not to interact with them much. Um, however, on, in the case of him, I've interacted a lot with him. Mm-hmm. My references came through some amazing people. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanisha's, a lot of people on his team, um, Raha and, uh, and Tanisha Scott and Sean and Jason, or Sean Paul's brother, Jason. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I was in LA, so he's seen me around much, even over here with some of the boys from the, from the, the camp. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he, we were in LA and uh, Marshall Montano, his manager, his name is Che. So Che, I was going to his house. We were going to talk about something and we're there. And he's like, yo, come over. And we're there. And um, X is in the room. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, snap. Because we've been talking. Yeah. So moments like that give an individual like him reassurance that, okay, cool. This is a serious guy because who you're around and so forth. And then next time I'm there, I'm like, yeah. Next time I'm there, I'm like, yo, um, uh, what are you doing? You're in LA? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm at the hotel. Let's grab a drink. He's like, what hotel? I'm like, this hotel. He's like, oh, I'm around the corner. Boom, drink. And then from there, just vibe and vibe. You know, you link up, you see each other, and it's more and more. And then that will grow into something organically. He He's on my IG, so he'll be like, yo, Kiran, I might need you for X, Y, and Z. Or I might have a project that's of a skill where it suits him. And he'll be like, yo, I'll definitely do that, you know? So that's how that happened. But yeah. What's next for you right now? You 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 you've done a lot of videos, a lot of content, and all that stuff. Where are you looking to go? What's next for you? Um, I'm I'm working on a pilot project that I've been pitching to a few networks. Mm-hmm. Um, a few platforms have offered deals for it. Um, nothing attractive. Mm-hmm. For me, it was attractive, but for people who knows, was like, no, bro. Okay, that's, that's the new guy idea. Yeah, yeah, that's the new guy. <laughs> Correct. That's exactly what happened. That's the new guy idea. I was like, oh, for real? Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. And that's one of the things that we need to know. Like, mm-hmm. if I don't have somebody to turn to, I would have taken that. Yeah. So um, uh, it's a streaming show. It's a series that we want to do on, uh, on, a, on a platform that features um, celebrities and tying into a, a little bit of reality there. But it's a concept that we came up with during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my next step is to do a streaming platform and diversify my portfolio. Mm-hmm. Not saying that I'm relying on individuals for my income, but I just want to put myself in a category that for whatever happens again, I'm safe. But yeah. also is that that's just also another stage in my career where I want to go to. Mm-hmm. But the tour life, I love it. Um, it's hard to give up mm-hmm. because a lot comes with it. You know, like I said, one of the networking is major, like, I was in St. Kitts the other day, mm-hmm. and I connected extremely well with Wally, with his team. Yeah. And hopefully someone would have, like, I was discussing business with them, and he's like, let's do it, let's do yeah. it now. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, snap, well, I, I love your music, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, I never think we would have linked, but mm-hmm. it's like we're in the lobby just drinking, and you don't get moments like that with people. But it happens like that on the road sometimes. Even yeah. St. Kitts, I seen um, Ashanti was there. You were backstage with her. Um, yeah. A couple of you guys were back. yeah. Ashanti, she, I did some stuff for her here in Toronto. Okay. Um, she is remastering and re-recording her first album, mm-hmm. but she's recording it here in Toronto. So it was um, like here in the, the she, although she's remastering, she's putting in some small elements. Mm-hmm. So hearing her, and then she did a photo shoot mimicking the first album, like the cover of the first album. Yeah. So seeing those moments, man, and then... I've connected, I've reconnected with her and, and uh, they did Lovers and Friends in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So I've seen her there. Her mother is an amazing individual. They're down to earth. Like yeah. as much, yeah, they're, but business is business. Like I've seen, I've seen Ashanti almost like level this guy on the plane coming back from St. Kitts. Yeah. Um, some stupid remark he had. But they're amazing individuals. Mm-hmm. But you can also um, see why they are where they are in their career. Mm-hmm. Discipline, talented longevity like she'll be booked for years i don't care like when she came out and sing kids crowd went crazy word for word they're singing a song and then you had a lineup with then you had wally come on after so the diversity in the caribbean community is insane you Mm -hmm. know when i was in jamaica i didn't know they listen to country music they listen to hardcore country music country souls all of that it's sometimes in certain places well at least at one point you'd be hard-pressed to find 
reggae or hardcore reggae, yeah. especially on the radio and stuff, opposed to country, Celine Dion yeah. and those type of stuff, boss. The, not to go back, but when we did the Buju shoot, mm -hmm. he took us to his studio, and I forgot the guys who was it, but if you see them, they look like, like thugs, like they look right. like, they, like they murdered a few people a right. few minutes ago, scarred face, and they... And bro, he started playing Celine Dion and all that, just singing and that. And I was just like, <laughs> yo, it was, I was like, yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. and like, they, like, they, like, they won't even just sing it like normal. They, they'll hit the tones and they'll ring up their voice and they're like, uh, you can see why people are so attracted to the Jamaican culture and that country in itself. They, you know, they, they, they're amazing individuals, man. The, the dynamics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, what I got from this conversation is two main things is network. Well, three things, network. Be ready to work when it calls and always be willing to learn. Yes. Never be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Always yeah. say yes. Yeah. Even yeah. if you don't know it, say yes and figure it out. Yeah. Leave that ego outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I tell, um, I tell a lot of my friends too, um, is, you know, make sure and get your business in order. Like, you know, your documents. A lot of people fail to realize that side of it. Because when the government wants something, they want something. Mm -hmm. Or when there's an opportunity for... To, to take advantage of, you don't have a passport, you can't travel, you have a criminal record, you have... You don't you know, have a, a, a business account for them to deposit this check that correct. they give you. You don't know to. how to create an invoice, uh, you don't know how, you don't have an HST number, a payroll number, you don't have a logo to send in, you have nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, try to get that in place, at least, you know? So when that opportunity comes, because going after sponsors and so forth, they act in a whole different realm of the world, you know? You, you I've seen people who've had support, uh, corporate event, uh, payments, mm -hmm. and they usually take 30 days, but they'll lose their relationship with that individual because it's 30 days. Yeah. But you need to understand that, bro. That's how that system, sometimes 30, 60, even up to 90, 90 days. I've on. had a 90-day mm -hmm. payment before, mm -hmm. and I was just like, okay, cool. I agree to this, Yeah. so I'm going to wait for my 90 days. And they, it's not like they're not going to pay. Yeah. But I say, guys, you need to understand this, and you need to kind of, you know, but yeah, learn the That's business, learn, really learn the business. The end of the conversation, or if there's anybody you want to big up, anything you want to say, leave some contact information, anything right now before I get you out of here. Uh, so all my social media is Kieran Khan Productions, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I just want to, I want to just, um, I think the least thing, the last thing I want to say is uh, we are, which we started the conversation with, we are going through a lot, regardless if we're coming out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, people are suffering. You know, there's a lot of people that's doing good. So it does not hurt to check on somebody um, and just give them some words of motivation. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it is a person that you're close to or not, you know, a simple DM, a message, a voice note can help. Please do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Lord God. Yes, sir. Thank, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for sitting down and doing this. Yeah, and man. I mean, because again, a lot of time we live vicariously through what we see on Instagram, the feed, the stories and stuff. Yeah. Like, and it's just amazing. Again, how I see, because you said you came in 05, but you're a kid from Toronto. I don't care if yeah. you're from Bronze before, Trinidad guy, and I don't care about that. I lived here, still the, a kid I lived here any country I lived here the longest. Yeah. yeah I'm Torontonian for sure. I got yeah. my citizenship. Yeah. When I got my citizenship. I only got my citizenship like two years ago probably. Okay. Yeah, I was flying out so much yeah. that uh, I wasn't adding up the dates. Yeah. So I had to keep my ass grounded. Mm. So I can't lose this, yo. <laughs> nah, man, amazing. Yeah. And again, I could, it's just up, 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 and further up from here. Yeah. You understand? Try, you know, trying to keep, um, uh, trying to stay away from all this. Like when I go downtown, bro, and I see all the fake shit. Yeah. And I, like I see these people, and, 
you know, I get pissed off with some of my friends. I'm like, why are you praising this? You know, they, they're not putting money in your pocket. Yeah. You don't have to be friends with somebody because they're, they're, um, they're, you feel they're cool or they have access. You know, the people who are going to be cunning for you mm-hmm. is the people who are trying to get your attention and you're ignoring them right now, like your family or close friends, you know? Yeah. So I'm just trying to stay as grounded and self-motivated. I keep myself hungry. Yeah. I'll be tired on the road, but I'll wake up and I'll be like, let me get this video done, yo, because people don't have it right now, you know? So as much as you might see there, there's uh, so much that goes in the back of it. I'm here for one day, like my wife and my son, I, I miss his birthday two yeah. days ago. First time I missed it. Mm-hmm. And it puts a toll on the relationship, you know, for because sure. you have issues where you're around the industry so much. You, you start thinking, is my man being faithful to me? Um, uh, does he have my attention? Is he straying away? Mm-hmm. It's a whole bunch, you know, and then you just have to kind of now not only balance that life, but then this life too. So when I come here, I just be like, Blank. wife and son and my house. Yeah. That's it, you know? <laughs> I like that, brother. Yeah. Amazing, excellent conversation. The yeah. insights to see it from how you've seen it and you told us, amazing. Thank you, bro. You understand. You. Let me give you an outro okay. and get you out of here. This conversation, epic, okay. great conversation. Thanks. You understand. Thanks, well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.